Welcome to the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast, a fresh perspective on AFL Fantasy Classic brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. In this episode, we've got Louis's top 10 trade targets, our delish dozen, some points of difference, and we answer all your questions ahead of your prelim finals. Two rounds left, pod pod. Welcome to the Pod Pod. I'm Doss here with Louis. Uh, we're not really here with, unfortunately. Yet again, we are recording over the line here, but uh, it's it's partially my fault. It's partially the AFL's fixturing fault. But um, I've decided to go to my my one of my finals footy training. Uh, finals is inbound. It's a couple of weeks away, Louis. But I thought I'd better head to footy training on this Tuesday night. There was the Monday night game. It's all up in the air, but we are recording apart. But um, sorry to keep you up, mate. Um, you've I know you've had a very early start, but welcome to you, Louie. Nah, cheers, Dossie. Thanks for having me back on the pod pod, of course. I know it's been about 20 weeks, so <laughs> I'll um, I'll try and stay in tune here and, uh, and hopefully deliver a good little podcast tonight. Absolutely. He's had a little nap coming on uh, beforehand. He's had a very, very early start, but we've got lots to get through, Lou Dog, and uh, we will start straight away just getting into all the chaos that happened this round. And oh, it seems to be happening at the tail end of the year for us, Louis, but far out. So many laid outs just to even start the round. We had Kelly, which was the first game of the round, which just threw everything into chaos last round, and then it just didn't stop all weekend long. Yeah, and with that Kelly one, lucky it was the first game, mate, because there would have been a lot of coaches that would have been caught out if it were a few more games into the round. But there's so many laid outs in the last couple of weeks and so many outs in general just through injury, management, soreness, all those types of things. So we just got to keep on our toes as fantasy coaches. But, geez, it's getting hard. That's it, mate. Uh, we Obviously, the early, early one as well was danger going down with a 15. So, people would have just been struggling early days in this round. And then I just want to hear your story because you had, a, I think, one of the many coaches that had a sad sob story for Callum Mills as well, who wasn't just a late out later in the round, but he was a late, late, late out. Yeah, apparently with six minutes to go. So, I was lucky enough to catch it, but unfortunately, I'd locked in the night before. So, um, I know that there is a risk when you obviously lock in a little bit earlier in the weekend. I certainly didn't think it would come from Callum Mills for the second time. So, that was really nice to have. But, uh, yep, I'm just rolling with the punches, mate. But I'm I'm certainly losing a bit of enjoyment. Yes, uh, you, you, you're getting to that point uh, of the Dossie, uh, the Dossie have fun trades yet, Louis, or st- still a few weeks away? Oh, mate, do you know what? <laughs> a with week away? amount of carnage I've got at the moment, I'm not even sure I can have fun with my trades. They're just going to be terrible, terrible trades. All right, well, we better get into the round that was, uh, and it was, what was it, round 21, Louis? And uh, we need to hear your score for the round, mate, because I don't think, I think there's a reason to this uh, sadness that we're hearing in your voice here. Yeah, I only scored the 21.54, so that's probably one of my lowest scores in the last couple of weeks, and uh, that's reflected in my ranking, dropping from 3.92 down to 5.97, which hurts a fair bit. Oh, that does hurt just at this at this end of the season. You've copped a lot of the bullets on the way home, and I think you've just been unlucky with some of your, the, the people you've decided to trade out. You've already done really well this year in holding guys, like we've seen Bailey Smith come good for you. I know Jordan Degoe, you held through thick and thin, but then unfortunately had to dump finally when he actually did come good. But it seems like you've, you, you know, you traded, was it side bottom? You traded out during the buys, then it sort of seems like he was the one to keep. And you've just had a bit of rough luck at the tail end of the season, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. And I probably can't wait to go through it. Maybe next week or the week after that, because, uh, yeah, it's been quite the six weeks for me, Dossie. Uh, well, on the other end of the spectrum, I think I had, I did okay this round, considering I'm surprised at your score, Louis. I don't know what sort of carnage we're going to have in your failed it's this week, but um, in my score, I got a 22.94 and I still lost a fair few of my matchups. So it was just one of those huge weeks of scoring. And it was really this week in particular, it was more. It was almost just as important about who you didn't have than who you did have, wasn't it, Louis? Just the people going down left, right and centre. If you had a Dangerfield 15, you were just about 
plenty of points behind the people that avoided that bullet. And um, it's just the way it is sometimes uh, about who you don't have rather than you have. But I moved up in the rankings this week, up about 800 spots. And my goal now, Louis, I want to get to four dig. I'm at 10,776. Do you reckon I can get there? Yeah, mate, you're in good form ever since that Wingard trade. I've got a bit of faith in you, I think. So, yeah, we'll get you to that four digits, I think. Thanks, mate. Let's get positive, though. Nailed it for the week before we get into all your negatives. What do you what do you nail this week, Louis? Oh, look, it pretty much came from necessity with the late out to uh, Josh Kelly, but holding Taranto for his 132 after being a little bit iffy on in the last couple of weeks. So, that's definitely going to be my positive, I think. I think um, I was definitely on the trade um, the trade side of things last week when we were talking even on the pod pod. I have to rewind the tape, but I think I was definitely on the trade side and, and the late the late Kelly out um, kind of forced my hand to hold him. And gee, I'm happy I did. I still I still wasn't backing Leon, Leon in to put him in the guts. I reckon I was more banking on a Brent Daniels, a Lockie Ash, something just weird, left field, Matt DeBoer. But he did go in the midfield and uh, Taranto just absolutely carving up for us again. But I'll get on to my nailed it, Louis. And uh, gee, I, I got Titch. It's a pretty, it's a pretty simple one. But I put the C on him and it was after having a pretty big score from my VC too. So, my VC went out and got me a 119 in Fiorini, of course, putting the VC on him. Oh, and you took I it needed, on. I needed the big the big captain score and 119, even though it was another great score by the great man, uh, wasn't quite enough. And Titch, you've got to give him his props, 157 um, as my captain was so great. And and it is just that, that, uh, that mantra of... Collingwood against Collingwood, Titch is just the captain. I thought maybe Bob Harvey was going to give us a different look and show him some attention, but nah, he's uh, he's letting him roam for it yet again. Was it Nathan way. Buckley who said that Tom Mitchell's touches weren't that effective a couple of years ago? It was, yeah. yeah so, that's so- why I thought, I was like, maybe Bob's going to switch it up, but he's probably learnt under the great man and just let him go. Yeah, that's it. So, clearly he loves playing Collingwood because he hates them, I think. But that mate, that's a great <laughs> yeah. hold. One fifty-seven. That's his highest score for the season. So, uh, sorry, not a great hold. A great captain option. Yeah, I've been in in some rare form of luck. The curse has seemed seemingly reversed slightly for me. But I did lose in that that league uh, where I beat Stato last week. So the dream run has finished. Um, we'll get into failed it, Louis. Uh, you've got a few here by the looks. Yeah, so obviously I've got Mills as my late out. That's a failed it, and unfortunately my cover was uh, James Paintling on the bench for a 44 over uh, Kieran Briggs, which was actually next to him for a 79. So that would have been a nice way to, to generate an extra 40 points. I've got Danger there with 15, which a lot of the comp are copped. But I've also got my weekly crew of spuds, which seem to be following me these last couple of weeks. And this week, it was Hunter, Ridley and Oliver. They all scored under 71, which just isn't good enough this time of the season. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Um, I'm going to get to mine. And, and mine, my fail, it has to be one of the worst pods that I've had. We we do love our pods. We are the pod pod. And Josh Dunkley, just going early on bringing him back. You know, in my position, it's something that I was willing to risk because we know the upside of Dunkley is immense. But he's been... He's been bevoed back to his original role as a forward and he's just not getting the looks in there. And when he does, as I said last week, he's caught a bit of Dan Houston's lack of thirst. He um, He's certainly observably quenched is Josh Dunkley and he's just not getting the job done for me. And yet again in the 50s, I think it was this week, oh, it's just such a gross pod and I can't change him just because the upside's there. I, I mean, I could trade out, but, uh, you know, there's just too many things to do at this time of the year. And it's Josh Dunkley. So, if, if the if the Taran- it, it's the Taranto situation, it's exactly the same. We're seeing these two guys are so similar in that when they're inside, we're going to see big scoring. When they're out, they just can't get their hands on the pill and they can't lay the big tackle numbers that we love to see from them. But we will move on now, Louis, now that we've gone through our Nailed It, Failed It. And there's a lot of hot topics to get through this week. Uh, Taranto, we spoke about that, the role. Just, I'm just going to revisit the hot topics from last week because it's almost a direct reversal of what happened last week. So, Taranto, we were worried about the role. Then it's Hopper out, Green out, Cornelio, Kelly late out, and then bang. That's just an, that's just roll. That's all it is. Houston, back from the dead. But I'd be aware of that one because that was against Adelaide. I'm just not biting. I, I still think there's a difference between 
as we've said many times, being observably thirsty and getting incidental stats. And the incidental stats against the Crows are quite easy to get. I think it just falls in your lap a little bit. What do you think on Houston, Louis? Do you think he is back from the dead or do you reckon this is a once out of the box in a, in a pretty poor set of form that he's in at the moment? Oh, potentially, mate, but it was a hard-scoring game on the weekend and certainly wasn't a pretty game, and it wasn't really a game that I would have expected Houston to turn up in, so I was quite impressed by that. I thought the stage was set for him to score 50 there, a little bit like Darcy Byrne-Jones did, so now I think Houston, if you've got him, maybe that's the glimmer of hope that you needed to hold him for the rest of the season and fix up some other areas. Yeah, I bloody got rid of him, but it was for a good cause. Uh, Jeremy Sharp and Bramble, we were saying, get your rookies off your field. These guys go 88 and 94 and just throw it right back in our face, Louie. Yeah, that's it, mate. And it was always going to happen after we kind of shit-canned them last week, saying they're going to score 40s just about and to get them off your field. But uh, I still stand by what I said. I think these guys are guys that you potentially loop and you take that risk, but I wouldn't be playing them on field even despite that. Now, the thing that we do have to touch on this week, and there's just a, so many retirements flying in today that the fact that we recorded a bit later this week, uh, Louis, but there's probably some definitely the sad one first is obviously Sam Doherty. So, the news came through that he's got the recurrence of cancer. Obviously, just want to wish him all the best in his uh, hopefully recovery there. We just He's a, such a fantasy gun and a, a seemingly a great bloke as well. So, always remember his... 2017 season just how amazing uh just a player that he was then and and on our fantasy teams just royalty so obviously just all the best to him and then just a stack of retirements that we've seen and i'm sure the traders are just going to throw out the best uh, tribute ever to the great man rocky so we'll leave that to them but there's just so many so many great players that we've seen uh retire in the last day especially the uh the fantasy guns that we know and love Yeah, Rocky, Murphy, even Stephen Hill, mate, uh, all names that have run through our fantasy teams at times, and it's it's quite sad to see them go, especially the pig, uh, Rocky, and fortunately, uh, we didn't get to pick him again in our sides, and would have been good to see a last game from the great man, but uh, yeah, uh, we pay our respects to Rocky, and good luck with anything he does afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be good to see him stick around in the media landscape or something like that and hear his voice around the around the traps. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on to the main portion of the show, which is Louis' top 10 trade targets. And then we're going to get into a delish dozen and some pod pods as well to finish off as well as some questions at the tail end. But um, just we're just going to call out because we, we've we've uh, getting to the tail end of the season and uh, we just want to make sure that the Keeper League know uh, that we're, we're doing our job here. And uh, if you do have, uh, if you have enjoyed the show across the season and you enjoy your fantasy classic content, then just leave a rating and review on the um, iTunes or the Apple podcast, it's called nowadays. And we're just aiming to get 100 plus by the end of the season would be great. That's pretty much double what we're at now. We're at about 52, I think. But um, we want to eventually get to that goal of 220 where I will be giving away those career savers that we have been talking about. If you haven't heard about that, go back to some of the earlier pods. Um, But anyway, uh, if you do, if you have enjoyed the show, just leave that Apple review. We'd much appreciate it. And remember to subscribe or follow on your Spotify's and uh, any other apps that you're listening to. And also just a big shout out as well to all our Pod Pod Plus members across season 2021. The Statesman and I have really just enjoyed that, uh, doing our first season of doing the extra podcast on a Wednesday night. So just a special shout out to everyone, um, all our past and present Pod Squad members. Just a couple of weeks to go. If you do want to check out an extra podcast, jump on for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Louis, let's get to your top 10 trade targets. And as usual, I'm assuming uh, this is in no particular order. That's it, mate, Uh, just as they come to me. So we'll get it started with Josh Kelly, who obviously was that late out on the weekend. And the reason he's on this list is because he was actually really good value. He's 762K, and with his late out, he actually becomes a slight point of difference for highly ranked coaches. Yeah, well, yeah, I sort of had thought about it that way. I'm just wondering what other sort of trades people have. I mean, if there's any injuries that pop up across the week, which inevitably we'll probably see that happen. But he's just going to go slot straight back in that midfield when he comes back, isn't he? And it's just going to be Josh Kelly carving up again. That's it. So he's averaging 102 in his last five games and he's got Richmond and Carlton in his next two. So you couldn't really ask for a better fixture there, mate. I think he's a good one to jump on. 
Are we concerned that contract year Kelly has officially ended, though, having re-signed today as well? I'm not sure, mate. We'd have to see the data on how players sort of come out <laughs> after they've signed a contract, but I tend to think they come out, do one more big one, and then maybe uh, settle down a little bit. But surely Josh Kelly's I too good that, for that. I think that's what we saw from Merritt this year, wasn't it? When he got the big contract, it was a monumental return, and then it was sort of trickled off for the next couple of weeks. So maybe you're onto something. Maybe you're right. Get him straight back in. Who's your second target for us this week? Uh, next up, and it shouldn't be a surprise, but his ownership always is a little bit of a surprise based on what he's able to do because he's the fourth averaging, uh, highest averaging player this year, and he's the third highest averaging player in the comp in his last three weeks, and that's Jared Lyons. Yeah, he scraped to his score on the weekend, didn't he? Because he was actually looking like he was going to have an absolute stinker and still managed to go for a big ton. He was actually looking horrendous until late. I want to see his quarter-by-quarter stats, but I think owners would have been nervous there, especially if they captained him. And it's those sorts of players, mate, that do establish a ceiling because they find a way to score really quickly. So, Jared Lyons, he's almost 100k cheaper than your steal and your took options, and he's only averaging a couple points less across his last three. So, I think with Collingwood and Eagles in his next two, that's possibly the best two matchups you could ask for um, in the competition. So, I think Jared Lyons, really good option if you're looking to spend up. And 51 points in the last quarter. I just looked it up because I knew that he I knew he was sort of uh, coming towards that. It was pretty slow going for a little bit there for Jared Lyons, but 51 points in the last quarter to get to his 111, Louis. So, um, but I do love that selection as well. He's an absolute gun and uh, should be treated as such. Who's our third target? Uh, look, the theme with this list clearly is fixturing. We've only got two weeks to go, so a lot of these guys have yep. extremely favourable matchups the next two weeks. So, uh, continuing on that trend, we've got Cam Guthrie. Uh, he's got Saints and Melbourne in his next two, which are giving up quite a bit of points over the last couple of weeks. And he's been remarkably consistent with his last five average of 111 in it. And at 777k, I think he still presents quite a bit of value with that consistency. Yeah, and I mean, there's. I think the the talk is that Danger's going to play this week. Um, but if that doesn't end up happening as well, there's just. I mean, he doesn't need any more midfield time uh, to go around. He's already established in there. But you know, it doesn't hurt having another big dog out the way if that does. If he ends up um, not playing this week, but um, what was his, his time on ground was actually really high. It might have been the highest. Yeah, it's. I just checked. It's his highest of all season that he played on the weekend. The fact that Danger um, went down early, 81% time on ground in his 200th game. Um, only just uh, scraped the ton, though, unfortunately. It wasn't a monster game like some were hoping for. But, yeah, still um, absolutely great value. Saints and Melbourne in his last two should do very, very well for you. Who's the next target we've got here? What are we up to? Four? I always lose count here. Three yeah, or five? four or five, mate. We've got Lockie Whitfield coming up next. And uh, he's actually cheaper than what he came in priced last week. So, he's 688K and still presents basically wow. the same value that we discussed last week. And I think he's 108 last three averages really gone under the radar a bit. Yeah, I think these next two matchups, you, you mentioned it with Josh Kelly at the top with GWS's next two. For him, the outside runners against these next two, and if you want it, we'll say it again, it's Richmond and Carlton. Gee, Lockie Whitfield, I, I can just see him having an absolute field day against those two uh, in the next two weeks. And and I jumped on him last week. I think um, you're already on him, aren't you, Louis, as well? Um, I, I was just couldn't get on quick enough last week. And, and I was pleasantly surprised with that score against a pretty tough opposition um, in Geelong on the weekend. And I can see him just doing amazing in the next two weeks. And he's got a good history against him, mate. So, he averages 108 versus Richmond across his career and 104 versus Carlton. Yeah, that's plenty of info to go there if you don't have Lockie Whitfield. Now, that was our fourth option. The fifth one looks like a guy that a few people would be butthurt by from the weekend. Yeah, so just like Josh Kelly, mate, he's someone who, because he's been late out in the last couple of weeks a couple of times, um, he actually presents a massive point of difference amongst highly ranked coaches because they simply don't have him and that's why they're a highly ranked coach. So, I think Mills is someone to really chase this week. 
Are you not concerned at all with the uh, the Achilles soreness that Longmuir flagged um, throughout the week, saying that's been an issue for him? I mean, you wouldn't have ever thought so, given his scores. So, I guess that's why you're not concerned. Well, that's it. I mean, he was a late out because that Achilles, but John Longmire also acknowledged that that's something that he's been managing all season. And this is a bloke who's gone on to average 112, including 121 in his last five. So I think Callum Mills, if he's fit, if he's playing, um, hopefully he's not a late out again. I think he's a really good option with a higher ceiling. Maybe the rest will do him good. Awesome. The next one on your list here, Louis. We're we're reeling through these nice and quick so you can go off to bed, but uh, <laughs> I think this is number six. Yep, we've got Jack McRae up next, mate, and I think everybody knows uh, what Jack McRae is certainly capable of, and at this point now, I think this is going to be his lowest price of the season. It already is to this point. Uh, I can't, I'm not sure what his actual price is, Dossie. You might have to check that. It's about 775 I think. But he's got Hawthorne this week, who are extremely easy to score against. And then Port, which is a little bit tougher the week after, but does average 105 across his career against them. Yeah, he's 780k, um, but still, yeah, incredible value. I mean, like, you look at where he's plonked. So, this is the average for the season, um, just season average. So, obviously, not taking into account games played, etc. But you've got Took Miller's like 946, Jack Steele 977, Tom Mitchell 910, Lions 863. And then you've got McRae just wedged in between another guys that are all in the 850s and 810s, like your Petrarca's merits, and he's just 780. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm one of the people that doesn't uh, have him, and I think maybe you know if you're if you're in my sort of situation though, Louis, or if you're not one of these top 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 ranked coaches, you've sort of given me some advice though when chasing someone like Jack McRae who's highly owned. Do you want to just share that with the Pod Pod listeners? Yeah, so obviously we've probably seen it with Jack McRae himself in the last two months. He's dipped his scoring a little bit and maybe averaging a bit closer to 105 than that 115 you kind of want from him. And uh, when you've got such a high ownership in the competition, like 40%, like Jack McRae, sometimes your best point of difference is actually going against that player and finding a player that's going to outperform him again. Because like I said, 40% of the competition's already got that player uh, you can find uh, basically a better player elsewhere and that's where you can get your, your step up on the competition. Yeah, I mean, the probably the great example, and we've mentioned him plenty of times on the show in the last few weeks, like a Braden Fiorini has averaged 120-odd in his last five and he would have been outscoring um, Jack McRae or, or giving you similar value for a much cheaper price. Just picking those guys is what you're saying. And it's pretty tough to do, obviously. It's, it's a tough ask, but um, if you don't have McRae, though, I'm still not uh, going to tell you not to get him and he might be on my radar this week. Uh, who's our number seven or eight, whatever we're up to? I'm just going to lose count and just say the next player now, Louis. Uh, number, another highly owned uh, player in the top ranked coaches mate Clayton Oliver so he's coming off that 67 which is actually actually his lowest score for the season but he did cop that Mark Hutchings tag Dossie yeah he did and uh, I was watching it's funny I was versing so after coming off a matchup um, with the mighty statesman last week, you know, handing it to him. It was a pretty easy W, really, in the end of the day. But I came up against another fellow hat man, uh, Miller Time, on the Twitter sphere. And he's he's been talking a big game as well um, on the Twitter sphere, too, Dossie. He was having a bit of a go at him. Um, and I thought for a moment there, there was a genuine glimmer of hope that Tim, uh, my player was Elliot Yo, and I was up against Tim Kelly and Clayton Oliver. Um, and I had to out. It was basically Yo versus those two. And there was a brief moment at halftime. I think I still might have had the lead because Yoey was just going ballistic. And that hard tag on Oliver was doing me a world of good. But he did sort of fight back, but certainly not enough for that. And he'll be he'll be great for the next two weeks, though, won't he? He'll fight back and finish the season strong. That's it, mate. And the only reason I mention that is because... Be- before that, sorry, mate, I'm forgetting how to speak now. That's how tired I am. Uh, he's gone 126, 126, and 110 with Adelaide and Geelong to come, which in the last previous weeks, we've actually said he averages 119 against both of them. So, good little matchup there for Clayton Oliver. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge uh, one. Although you have flagged, even in your own notes, you're probably too tired to read your own notes here, mate, but you have flagged the concern of the Marco Connor tag in round 23 that might be... 
um, potentially a little bit different to his usual 119 that he goes against him and, and maybe just flagging that for something of a slight concern. Yeah, that's it, mate. Obviously, obviously, you can never tell, but um, for coaches in a really luxurious position, that might be something they want to take note of. All right, I've gone back and done all the numbering system now, so I know we're up to the eighth player on your list, and it is a pie. Yeah, so Taylor Adams, obviously one of my boys. I traded him in probably uh, over a month ago now, and he's similarly priced to Clayton Oliver at 770k, but he comes at 13.3% less ownership at 5.1%. So we talk about finding a point of difference, taking players on that have high ownership. Taylor Adams could be your man. Yeah, that's that's juicy. Do you know their matchups off by heart, or should I uh, bring that one up? I've haven't haven't uh, had you back here, Louis. I've let you do all the research as always. I'll have a quick sus now of their matchups for the next two because, um, yeah, Taylor Adams, Brisbane and Essendon over his next two. I don't mind those. Brisbane have actually been given up a fair bit to, um, to players over the last couple of weeks, and then Essendon to finish off. So very nice pick. Who is our player number nine? Uh, it's got to be Dane Zorko, and he was on the list last week as well as well oh, yeah. as a few of these other players I've mentioned. No, Dossie, but. Uh, how can you not bring up the top averaging forward? And he's just dished up a 135 coming off the back of a 132 the week previous. Yeah, I'm wishing he was my uh, the guy I brought in instead of a Josh Dunkley, I've got to say, a few weeks ago when I when I did pull that trigger. But um, yeah, he, he's amazing. Do you know in his 135 that he scored on the weekend, he had zero marks as well? Wow, that's... Um well, it's surprising, but it's actually not because Dane Zorko's scoring this year has been quite peculiar in that he just manages to get up to that sort of 100-plus mark with some strange, strange scoring. Yeah, 34 touches, 24 kicks, 10 handballs, zero marks, 10 tackles and a snag. So, just a little rat dog all around the ground and he loves a snag too. That goal, that was one of the best celebrations this year. It was very Tom Papley-esque with his, uh, there was a burst vessel um, following that celebration. All right, round out your top 10 here, Louis, and your trade targets. Uh, look, I snuck this in late because the uh, Riley O'Brien news sort of dropped that he's going to be missing this week and potentially next. And um, these guys I was going to mention anyway, but I think that now it's time to go up to Brody Grundy and Max Gorn um, for obvious reasons. We know what those guys can do. Um, Brody Grundy in his next two, he's got McInerney and Draper, and Gorn's got uh, Rob, which is now going to be probably Kieran Strawn and Stanley in his next two. Ooh. So I think those two are uh, ones that you want to complete your ruck line with in the next two weeks. Yeah, thanks for that. I, I hadn't been across the news and I, I saw some people asking some Rob questions and I was wondering where that was coming from. So, that's not good use, news for the big fair. At least we don't have to, uh, I guess, watch that, <laughs> watch the performance of the of the big man. It's not the prettiest sight on the field, but uh, rest up, big fella. Hopefully, he can come back for the uh, last week of finals for anyone that holds him in the draft format. All right. that's your, that, I, I do appreciate that top 10 as always, Louis, and it looks like you've You've got one just to round it out. You're going your top 11, even though you snuck in Brody Grundy and Max Gorn as your 10. So, this is your 12th really in your top 10 here. Yeah, that's always the case with me. You know that, Dossie. But I've got Rowan Marshall. I thought <laughs> I'd better mention him. Uh, I didn't want to put him in the list just because we spoke about him a fair bit last week. But I think with that Paddy news, uh, <laughs> that Paddy Ryder news sort of coming to fruition, he's obviously going to be the sole ruck and he's someone that now I'm going to put my hand up and say that. That yes, there is a consistent ceiling and he's someone who's probably going to be a top six forward to finish the year. Yeah, and I just want to point out that we did say on the show that we could completely backflip. We did flag that as an option and we gave the positives and the negatives last week and said, you guys make up your mind and that we might change our mind last minute about Royal Marshall, but we did at the time say we're not keen. Both of us backflipped, didn't we, Louis? I think both of us ended up bringing him in. I certainly did bring him in uh, last No, I, I went steel. I went steel instead. So, I definitely okay. should have gone Marshall. I, I feel I felt so guilty backflipping on, on the listeners in a way, but I did, I did mention and flag that I could have done that. So, I don't feel too guilty about it. All right, let's move on to our delish dozen which have been requested on the Twitter landscape at PodPod AFL. And this is just choosing some players you want to talk about from the week. And it's asked, requested from you on the socials. First one, 
guy that I brought in a couple of weeks ago and he's had two really stomping scores for your forward line in a row, tunned up two weeks in a row, including a big 147, not this week, but the week before that. And it is the mighty Chad Wingard, the, the winner for me against the Statesman. Chad Wingard, Louis, are you a fan of this as a trade-in now? Yeah, do you know what? I still don't mind him at 627K, and I think now's the time that coaches need to start getting creative with how they use their cash, and potentially it's not this week with Western Bulldogs. That's quite a tricky matchup, but the week after that, he's got Richmond, which he could really drop a big one there. Yeah, I, I still like it. He's just looking really hungry out there, uh, or thirsty, a bit of both, um, and he's looking real angry and still just getting those stats for you. So, yeah, he, he's looking good. He's got that midfield inside-outside role and then rotating forward, which we've seen uh, be very juicy for fantasy this season. Next one's Will Powell, who um, people wanting to know about his role and his scoring lately. Uh, I think our friend DC of the show sort of flagged him a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, his role is nice and he's he can pop a ceiling game. I was kind of sceptical that he's going to be consistent with that. But I feel like he's almost surpassed Jack Bowes. We saw Jack Bowes get dropped and then get brought back in. He's almost taken that sort of distributing role almost off of Bowes. We saw him take five kick-ins playing on from everyone as well on the weekend. And he just does have that nice cushy roll back there. Plus, he doesn't mind an intercept mark. Yeah, look, I just wouldn't trust the consistency here, Doss. We've seen Powell has been able to score a ton in the last couple of years, and uh, he has shown a bit of ceiling, and he has shown that he can take plenty of marks, but I think this 138 is more of a flash in the pan and not something that I'd particularly want to be taking a risk on at this point in the season. Nah, that's a fair enough point, and he would be a very much a uh, point of difference for you on the way home if you did want to go there and just be different. It's probably one of those fun trades, though. If you if you're a Suns fan or you like the way Powell goes about it, you can go pick him up. But would probably wouldn't be a player that we'd necessarily say to go and get, especially who have they got this week? They're up against Essendon. Actually, could be a nice matchup. So uh, I'm not going to say no. That's and then nice Sydney pop, after pop, that, pop. which is a bit trickier. Trickier for the last one, but certainly this week, if you're in a do or die situation, which everyone is at this point of the year, he could be your uh, the winning pod. All right, let's move on to the next player that people want to talk about in our Delish Dozen. It's the third one on the list, and it is Adam Trelaw, who returned from injury on the weekend, and he put up a 90 for us. Um, that's a pretty solid return in your first game back from a, from a long layoff, and he actually didn't get the centre bounces either. So, he only got the six centre bounces playing that more of an outside role, which he did do last time as well upon returning from injury. You'd imagine they're going to work him back into the into the centre bounce mix over the next few weeks though. Well, the next two weeks because that's all we got left. That's it, mate. You'd think they want um, Adam Trelaw absolutely firing for finals, which is why at 658k, I don't mind him as a little bit of a risk. I know uh, you sort of got burnt with Dunkley, although you did pay about 800k, Dossie. I think now at 150k less, this is the sort of guy that if I'm looking for a massive point of difference or if I'm looking for uh, a couple of extra points to generate on... Um, sort of coaches ranked around me instead of a sort of league-based matchup thought process, then I think Adam Trelaw is a great person to jump on. I'm just looking at the set of bounces here too. Josh Dunkley had 14. Um, that's not the the Taranto role I was saying. <laughs> 14 centre bounces. He was only behind McRae, Libber and Bond. I know early in the season he was getting a fair few, but that's not too dissimilar to what he was getting early in the season. And just to put up a... That's just even more disappointing to see from Dunks. Um, ugh, yuck. Anyway, let's move on to the next player. Trelaw, Louis doesn't mind it. Connor Nash, someone we kind of put our nose up a little bit to last week, I will say, but uh, the same person, I think, is asked to talk about him. And he is forward eligible, as we talked about, 16 centre bounce attendances, which was only behind O'Meara and Tom Mitchell, which, to put it into perspective as well, it was ahead of the guys like Wingard, who was putting up a ton, Warple and Shield, who we've known have been in the past um, high centre bounce attendance attendees. Could Connor Nash be one of these guys that, you know, this is real for the last couple of weeks that we've got here? And you could be getting yourself an absolutely cheap gem who's also, of course, going to be a point of difference for you. 
Yeah, look, at 344k, you're probably going down um, from a rookie most likely or you're using what little cash you've got left to do it. And I actually don't mind it. This is the point of the season where we start to see teams that aren't going to make the finals experiment with a few different things, inject experience into their players. And Nash is someone who they've always had earmarked to play midfield at some point. And I think over the next couple of weeks, we should see that. So Connor Nash at 344k, he's the sort of player where if you can get up on the other end with something good, I actually really like the move. And it's someone that uh, as much as I hate to say, it's someone I might look at this week because I've got a couple of force trades. Yeah, I'm certainly uh, not against it now. And we're sorry that uh, we were last week. Obviously, they were watching closer at uh, Connor Nash going at it. He's listed as a key forward, which he's played traditionally in his career on the AFL app. And he's 197 centimetres. So, 20 disposals, 5 marks, 5 tackles and a snag. Um, not too bad for a, for a big fella playing in the gut. So, we don't mind it now at all. Um Next on the Delish Dozen, we have Zach Butters, who's a, a favourite of the show as well. The Statesman's a massive fan of this guy. And uh, could you go there for the last couple of weeks? You know, he's getting a few centre bounces here and there now. Louis, is he a guy you could sort of trust for maybe a big ceiling game in the next two? Absolutely. And I think that big ceiling game might come this week versus Carlton as they sort of, as Port Adelaide sort of charge up to um, win a couple of finals, hopefully. Uh, we've seen Butters has been back for three weeks now. Uh He's probably come in a little bit underdone. Now he's starting to get a little bit of match fitness, a little bit of confidence in his body. And I can definitely see Zach Butters going 90 plus from here with a ceiling game. Another Port player that has been mentioned a couple of times, just quickly, because people keep wanting to talk about this guy. He's a handsome fella and he plays with the power as well. Ryan Burton, putting up some big games lately. Almost uh, putting up that consistent the consistent sort of scoring that we were hoping would get out of Dan Houston, who finally put up a nice score on the weekend, but previous to that had not been. Yeah, mate, do you know what? I'm actually all for it now. 589K, averaging 98 in his last three. Uh, obviously, being a Port fan, they look for him. Uh, he uses the ball well. I think he's actually rated by champion data, uh, take that as you will, as the best halfback flanker across the last six weeks of footy. So I think he's in some ripping form. And if you want to take a punt on an underpriced guy right now, I think Ryan Burton's another one that you could consider. This is the silly season, Dossie. This, <laughs> this is a player that's already been mentioned by yourself in your target. So we know your answer here. And it was Callum Mills. But just touch on him really quickly. You've already spoke about him. Yeah, I've already spoken about him, so I guess I'll just say that uh, Callum Mills, obviously the number one defender, uh, unless you're counting Hole, and with Sydney's fixture to come, uh, he's going to be uh, up there with the top eight midfielders as well. So I think Callum Mills is certainly uh, one of my top options this week, provided he's fit. Now, I've just snuck in a couple of extra players here because we didn't get super... Heaps of uh, heaps of delish dozen requests here, but a few from Dossie. Chris Main, look, I've been a big fan of him across the season. Do you think there's a couple of really nice games, especially with his next week is the retirement game? Do you think we're going to see some big ceiling scores over the next two weeks from Chrissy Main? I do, mate, and I'm not going to jump on this week because he's got Brisbane and potentially maybe they play him this week and then don't play him in round 23 as they look towards 2022, but Chris Main is high on my list for round 23 in his farewell game. I love it, mate. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm an owner, of course, uh, but I just had to mention him here because so many retirees, he might end up floating uh, under the radar there, but uh, gee, he's been a great player, Chrissy, mate. Uh, number nine, Elliot Yo, and the reason I bring him up, as an owner, I was watching very closely on the weekend. Bloody hell, he played well, even though we, uh, once again, the, the Mighty Wiggles weren't so mighty on the weekend. 14 clearances for Yo, but most, most importantly as well, 89% time on ground. That is a massive difference for Elliot Yo. Finally put up a nice score of 103. And perhaps under the radar and the fact that he didn't have that huge, huge, huge ceiling game just yet. But he's up against the Dockers this week. And then he finishes the season with Brisbane. Oh, I actually thought I really like him as a point of difference in these last couple of weeks, especially with the Eagles fighting to, uh, to stay in the finals hunt. Yeah, look, I'm not convinced about seeing a ceiling game with Elliot Yo. I think he's uh, 
even when he's having a really good game and he's entirely fit, um, I think he's usually close to that 105 sort of mark, and especially now when he's only played about 10 games of football and, and the Eagles aren't looking as good as what they were. I think Elliot Yo uh, sort of presents decent value, but there's some other guys that we've spoken about in this list that I'd rather choose over him. All right, I've got a couple more here to finish off our delish dozen. We have to get to the dozen. What about Chera? We've got Brayshaw getting the suspension as well. Do you think Chera is going to keep this rich vein of form and just pop another co- a couple of nice scores? He's got the Weagles this week as well. Yeah, mate, they're feeding him CBAs, which is something we probably haven't seen earlier this season and certainly last season. So Adam Chera having a bit of a breakout second half of the season. And if, if you buy it, if you think it's real, then jump on because so far it has been. And this is a player talking about next that has taken that huge bump that I was kind of thinking was maybe going to go to Jed Anderson. I just didn't know that this guy had this level in him just yet. I'm big on him for the future. But in his last three, averaging 98, um, a big 115 on the weekend. I'm talking about LDU. He's got Sydney and Adelaide to finish the season. Finally popped a big ceiling game, but a guy that you'd think the Roos are going to trust for the next couple of weeks. Can he do any more big ceiling games? And this is a big pod, but I uh, just had to mention the LDU. No, nah, it's not for me, mate. Uh, a little bit like Dusty and Fife. I think he's a football player who's a lot better at football than he is fantasy. Maybe the super coach uh, game. And what about another North Melbourne player that has been just absolutely smashing it? Didn't phase him that he was out for a week with a concussion. Comes back, puts up another nice score. Taran Thomas as a forward option. He's looking very nice this season just to finish the game with those same two matchups that I just mentioned before for the Ruse. Could you go there as well? Yeah, you could. Look, he's a little bit expensive, but with how the forward line actually drops off, I think there's a lot more risk that you could take um, other than Taron Thomas. So if you really like him this week, then jump on as well. All right, mate. Well, unless you've got some pod, pod, pods for us, I think we'll jump into some questions. I had some pod, pod, pods. I know you're very tired. I'm just going to go through mine because I already just went through a couple there. But Noah Anderson, 2%. Yo, Jordan Dawson, Oh, you've you've actually do have some. Yeah, like I've got just got Cam two, Guthrie. but I haven't made notes because <laughs> yeah. I, I spoke about them earlier. All right, mine were Noah Anderson, Yo, and Jordan Dawson. Yours are Cam Guthrie, Jared Lyons, and you've you've got the the uh, info for us there. All right, we're going to get into the questions now. Louis, we're going to smash through all these questions. You can follow us at PodPodAFL. Louis at LouisAF, and I'm at HKDOS. All right, this one from Alex. He's got a trade for us. He's got Lockie Hunter and Bramble out for Josh Honey and Jack Steele. So, he's looking like a two for one, but he says, I know he's Steele number one, but surely even shifting this much heaven and earth is too much. Right, Legend? So, he's saying Hunter and Bramble to Jack Steele and basically a rookie here. That's too much to pay, if you, especially if you're fielding both of those guys, right? Yeah, I think when you look at what I think um, both of those two trade scenarios are going to score together, uh, it's a little bit of a sideways double trade for me. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan unless, yeah, if you're fielding both of those guys, you, yeah, you, you're probably going to get a nicer score out of those two than just the one man. He is the man of steel, though, at the moment. Uh, Nathan Obermullet, our man, our, our boy. What risks should I take to bridge the 130-point gap to 100th that he's looking at? So, or do I exert all my energy trying to remain rank 169? Uh, what should he do here, Louis? Um, just what risks should he take to bridge that gap? Because we do want to see our, our man, Nathan, get a hat. Look, there's a lot of good coaches out there, Doss, and there's a lot of good information, and it's uh, it's quite difficult to find um, really good players that other coaches aren't sort of clued in already with. So I think at this time of the year, sometimes, and we've spoken about it on this podcast already, sometimes the best point of difference is going against the player. So for, for Nathan, I'd probably recommend identifying a highly owned player in your team that perhaps you could take on, and, and maybe that might be Sam Walsh. Dossie. Yeah, got the uh, ankle tweak, hasn't he? But uh, looking good to play, I believe, this week. Yeah, so uh, he's he's under a bit of a cloud. He's got the ankle tweak. He's 27% ownership. He's got Port, which are pretty hard to score against this week. But then he's got GWS and perhaps the Matt DeBoer tag. So 
Uh, that's a sort of player that you could take on over the next two weeks and maybe that's what thrusts you into the top 100, Nate. Mate, it's nearly 10 o'clock. You've been up since 3am and you're still clued into the finest details. Uh, Louis, you're, you're still switched on, mate. We, we love you here. Uh, Anthony, what do I do with Dunkley? Brought him in as a hashtag pod, pod, pod for back-to-back 50. So he's in the same spot as me, Anthony. I know your pain. Um, does he just straight swap to Marshall or down to Nash to facilitate a killer upgrade? Cheers, lads. Uh, or hold is his response. Well, I'm in the same situation. I'm holding and praying <laughs> that that he snaps out of it, but I haven't seen signs. Um, like I said, he's observably quenched right now. He's not hungry to get in there, not thirsty at all. I keep saying hungry. It's it's thirst. It's thirst that he needs. And yeah, it's just not looking good, Louis. Um, from a non-owner, a non-biased perspective, would you even, I mean, if you've got Dunkley, what are you doing with him? Look, I think both those options he identified um, are really good ones, depending on what he can do on the other end of that. As for holding Josh Dunkley, um, I probably would too. I'm notoriously stubborn and often it comes back to bite me, but with a player like Josh Dunkley and the ceiling that he actually possesses, uh, I'd be backing him into at least go 90 plus against Hawthorne and Port in the next two and, and hopefully he finds a bit of that ceiling before finals. Berkey, do we give Houston another chance after his ton or do we bank the points and move him on instead of Bramble? So he's talking about what I was saying at the start of the show in that do we trust this Houston resurgence or is it just a once-off? You're on the on the record at the start of the show of saying hold the Houston, but what about when it's up against Bramble? You're still there? I'm, I think uh, in this situation, I'm still on the Houston side of things just because we've talked about the rookie roller coaster that you can uh, go through, even though Bramble is a 23-year-old mature ager. Yeah, I'm still on the hold Houston train, mate, just because he's 530k and a little bit like Jordan Degoe, uh before the buys, he's actually at a price where there's not much significant you can do with him where uh, you can actually be confident that you're going to be generating more points if you held him. So uh, that would have bitten a couple of coaches on the weekend, certainly with his 105. And I think uh, Dan Houston at this point is someone uh, with Carlton and Western Bulldogs in the next two that that's someone maybe you can hold on to. Mark Moreshi, what to do with Rob and Mills injuries? He wants to know, does he go Lloyd and Grundy? He has Marshall uh, in the forward line, plus Billings on the bench from last week's carnage. No, that sounds like a perfect straight swap if you've got to deal with those two. Great trades. Anthony Rout, who scores more for the remaining two games, Zorko or Fiorini? What do you reckon? Uh, Zorko. Definitely with the fixture, Zorko. I'm just sticking with the man. You know who it is. Uh, fair enough. JJJ, Triple J, do I trade keys or either took or steal? Wait, sorry. Do I trade keys to either took or steal and downgrade a rook to get them? Looping Bramble and Finn McRae in the process. Um, it's a calculated risk. Obviously, Ben Keyes hasn't been performing in his last three games and last two games of 62, uh, 69 and 82 is really starting to burn you. So, uh, potentially, yeah, you could, I think. Um, I'm, I'm not always a fan of that with being a coach that's been burnt by COVID laid outs twice this season, uh, looping off of the bench. But, um, by all means, I think, uh, it's a calculated risk that could pay off. Uh, I just think with Melbourne um, and Kangaroos in their last two, yeah. I don't think I'm going to go against Keezy. Yeah, Keezy's that's a had good those point, ceiling Dossie. games. Just be scary, wouldn't it? Well, before um, that, he right, went 128 and 114. So. Uh, Caleb Daniel, Tim Kelly, or Riley O'Brien? Well, with the O'Brien news, if you're saying, is that that's uh, done and dusted, he's out for the week, then it's going to be O'Brien if that's the case. Yep, yep. All right. Um, next question is, Jade, what are some luxury trades at this point you wouldn't mind? Uh, okay. So, some luxury trades you wouldn't mind doing at this point. I don't know. If, have we got any luxuries to do? I mean, I'm probably- I don't think I have. Oh, well, I've got Rob to deal with, so I probably don't have uh, luxury trades. It's just those ones that these people have been talking about, like- um, like going and upgrading someone like a an underperformer, like a Keys, but, you know, probably a better example from that. I don't know if you've got an underperforming 
point of difference even that just hasn't hit for you like a Dunkley that would be a luxury trade at this point I probably can't do a Dunkley because I've got other issues so that would be my sort of suggestion if you you know just someone that's look at their last three and just figure out who's the one that's not averaging well for you the last three and just go to someone better at even if they're a well-established name or even something uh, like Louis saying uh, you know identify a player like a Sam Walsh who's got a niggling injury potentially a tag the next week that you can go against and really try and get a point of difference from not having a player would you agree with that Lou yeah you hit the nail on the head there Dossie 100% Tambo who would go first out of Ridley and Lockie Hunter Oh, that's a really good question, and uh, it's probably a bit of a flip of the coin, but I do know that Ridley's got Gold Coast and Collingwood in his next two. As a defender, I would hope that Ridley can sort of rediscover uh, a bit of what he's done earlier this season, sort of scoring between 90 and 100, but at the same time, I don't say that with a lot of confidence because this bloke dropped us a 38 just a couple of weeks ago. (sighs) Fire out. I'm going to say... I'm just going to say you you trade Hunter first. They've got all their midfielders back. He's probably just going to rotate back into that gross role that we saw him struggle in at the start of the year with uh, Trelaw and Dunkley back in the last couple of weeks. People are going to have to play wing um, if he can't, if he has to be the one that sort of slots out of that position. It's tough. That is such a, t- that's a, that's a coin. Yeah. So, it's I'll a coin cost. Keep Ridley, will. trade Hunter. Yes. Uh, Taj Renton, what order- these guys going Houston Ridley Sharp Sharp Houston Ridley I've still got Ridley just ahead of Houston but uh, again flip a coin there all right this one from Bangbinos g'day guys who do I upgrade Ridley to out of Lions Fiorini or Guthrie thanks pod 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 uh they're all yeah they're all pod pods they're all point of difference points sorry we've been called up on this Louis it these are all points of difference. Uh, Lions, Fiorini, or Guthrie, who you got? Oh, all great options. If you've got the cash, though, I'm going to Lions, definitely, with that fixture. I want to stay on brand, but, yeah, um, Lions is a good option. Fiorini, also a good option. I, I don't – I'd say Lions and Fiorini have the the higher, actual, bigger ceiling um, than Guthrie, personally, even though Guthrie's been super consistent. All right, Miller time, upgrade Sharp to Fair Rainey this week. That was a rhetorical question is his uh, gift that he has. So, yes, you absolutely do that, Miller time. Good trade. All right, well, that's the end of this podcast, Louis, and we wish everyone that's listening the best of luck in your finals this week. And if you're going for overall rank, we hope you get that boost. We hope you get those luck, that luck going your way. No more bullets this week. Oh, good luck I've to all the retirees. So, it's too late. <laughs> Same here, mate. Same here. All right. Good luck, everyone. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully after a big win and a big rise in the ranks. See you then. See you next week, guys.